Hello, good morning, good afternoon to wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Thank you for tuning in today. Today, we will be talking about a case that has been keeping me up at night, literally. I don't know if it's because these students are my age. I don't know if it's the nature of the crime. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's all of it's combined, but it's just been keeping me up at night and I had to talk about it. And that is the University of Idaho College Town Murders. So we're just going to jump right in. I want to get into the details and then save my thoughts for later. A couple important things to note. This case is still developing. I am recording this on November 30th. Yes, it is still unsolved as of now, but it seems like a little information is coming out each day. So this is what we have as of November 30th, 2022. So the four victims we'll be talking about today is Madison Mogan. She was 21 years old. Kaylee Goncalves. She was 21 years old as well. Zaina Canodal. She was 20. And Ethan Chapman, who was also 20 years old. So all four of these victims were found in their off-campus home. And in the home, there was six people total. That's important to note. There was two roommates on the first floor. Technically, only Zaina on the second floor. Ethan would just, they were dating at the time, so he would sleep over. So he was there at the time of the murders, and he and Zaina were on the second floor. And then the third floor was Madison and Kaylee. So there's two roommates on each floor, six roommates total in this home. And it was not, it, I've seen Zillow pictures of the home. It doesn't seem like it's a big house. It seems like you walk in and there's a bedroom to your right and your left. And then you go upstairs and there's a small living room, a kitchen, and then there's a bedroom to your right and left. That's what it seems like. These are just off of videos I've watched and pictures I've seen of the house. But it's also important to note that there's three entrances into the house. There's two sliding glass doors leading to the second and third floor. And then there is a front or a main entrance that has a keypad that you have to put a number into and then you can enter the residence. Let's look at the timeline. This all took place on the night of November 12th and then the murders took place on November 13th in the early hours. Excuse me if you hear some drizzling in the background. I am in my car and it is raining, so we have a nice background noise. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the timelines. So on November 12th, Kaylee posted a picture on Instagram of all six of her roommates. And this is super haunting to look back on. I mean, they were college kids, so they were all active on social media. So just seeing their last days played out on social media is definitely eerie. But it is important to note that it seemed like they had a good relationship, all six of the roommates. So where was each of the roommates? So it seems like they all split into twos that night. So meaning Madison and Kaylee went on their own, Zaina and Ethan went on their own, and then their other two roommates went on their own. So everybody went out. But the first people to get home was the two roommates that were unharmed and they were the people who were sleeping on the first floor. So they got in around 1 a.m., according to investigators. This is all according to press conferences and investigators and the Moscow Police Department website. Just so you know, this is where I'm getting all my information from. So the next people to 
return home, according to the investigators, was Ethan and Zena. And they returned home around 145 from a Sigma Chi house party, which is a fraternity. It is extremely close to their home. And Ethan was a member of Sigma Chi, so that's also important to note, but they were seen at this party that night. Madison and Kaylee, we know that they were at a bar downtown called The Corner Club, and they were actually spotted on footage that has been circulating. If you've been following this case, you know the footage I'm talking about. And they went to a food truck down the street, and this it seems like this food truck owner live streams his shift on twitch so this was posted to twitch and this is how this got around but madison and kaylee could be seen in the footage ordering food they seemed normal yes they just came from a bar but it didn't seem like they were highly intoxicated they seemed like they were aware of their surroundings so there was nothing strange except their surroundings there was a guy in the footage who seemed to be watching over them and when they walked away the friend he was talking to pointed to him and kind of said, oh, there they go. And he followed after them. But this apparently has been looked at by investigators and they say that there is, that he's not a suspect in this case. So I guess we can rule that out. As of now, the investigators may have something else, but right now he's not a suspect. So Madison and Kaylee went home by a rideshare service and they got home a little after Zena and Ethan around 1:56 a.m. Around 2:52 a.m. calls were made from Kaylee's phone to her ex-boyfriend Jack. Apparently they recently just broke up according to her parents, an interview they did. And she calls him not one, not two, but like six, seven times and that's a lot of times to call somebody. I mean, I don't think I've ever called somebody even more than three times in a row. Usually I just give up by the second time. So this is definitely worth noting. Even after she called him that many times, Madison then called him several minutes later a couple more times. And this is strange, but this is also important because this is the last time we hear from any of the victims, these phone calls. And this leads investigators to believe that the murders took place around 3 to 5 a.m., the early hours of November 13th. So the next time investigators hear about this case, they don't even know this happened, was until one of the surviving roommates on the first floor called 911 around noon the next day, which is November 13th. So the roommate called 911, but before she called 911, and we don't know which of the roommates called 911, but before she called 911, she actually called some of her friends over to, I don't know if it was for moral support. This isn't exactly clear, but we know that there was other people at the house when the police arrived after the 911 call was placed. And apparently, according to the Moscow Police Department website, the, the 911 operator actually spoke to a few of those friends that were at the house during the call. The call has not been released. I'm very interested to hear that call because apparently they said that they felt like somebody on the second floor, which would have been Zena or Ethan, was passed out and wasn't waking up. That were that was the words released to the public from the investigators. That's what the roommate said when she called 911. I find that very strange. We obviously don't know the details. 
whether she opened the door, if the door was locked, if she saw something suspicious and then just assumed that they were passed out. We don't know. So that's another weird situation that happened that's not exactly clear. So the police arrive and they find all four students stabbed to death on the second and third floor, all in their beds. So that's another thing to to remember. They were all in their beds. Zaina and Ethan were together and then the other two girls Madison and Kaylee were upstairs in their own rooms. Apparently the murder scene was so gruesome and it was something that the the department never even seen. I mean I think they said like a murder, a homicide in this town hasn't happened for like decades so the fact that they're dealing with four people stabbed to death and there's no suspect yet That's pretty intense, and I can't imagine the pressure they're under at this time. Not to mention social media is involved in this case a lot. They walked into something that they could never imagine. So as of November 30th, 2022, this is all of the evidence that we have. This is all the evidence that has been released to the public by press conferences, by via website. They have kind of an update going on every single day where they update information and they kind of do rumor control, which is a good idea, even though it doesn't seem like a lot of information is being given to us. But it is nice, at least, that they're keeping us updated and ruling things out. So this is the evidence that we have as of now. So all four victims were stabbed multiple times by what they described as a Rambo-style knife or a combat knife. So they're not able to locate this, but it's important to note that this is not a kitchen knife. This is not a regular knife. This is a huge knife. If you look at pictures, it's very serrated on the end, and it's something that you would use to almost like cut up like an animal. Like it's, it's super intense and this is what they believe the murder weapon is. And they released pictures of this to try to help find the murder weapon, but we do not have one as of now. The investigators also believe that they were sleeping when they were attacked, the four victims. Now, the autopsy report did come out later and it noted that they did have defensive wounds. I'm not sure if all four of the victims have defensive wounds, but we know that They did at least one, two, three, all of them had defensive wounds, which means they may have been sleeping, but they woke up and they tried fighting off that attacker. As we know, the two roommates on the first floor were left unharmed. They didn't hear anything. They didn't see anything as we know of, you know, today's date. So they had no idea that this was going on apparently, until the next morning when they called 911. Another thing to note is there's no signs of forced entry, and the roommates, the friends of the roommates that were home before the 911 call, rideshare driver, and people in the footage at the food truck are all ruled out as suspects. Now, that can change, but right now, they are all ruled out. They also had a dog in the house named Murphy, And there was no valuable stolen and there was no property damage. And they, police are unsure if there was more than one suspect involved. And this isn't necessarily evidence, but this is something that I found strange. The police have ruled this out as of now, but I just found this so weird. 
and terrifying considering this is such a small town and they say that strange things don't happen here often. One of their neighbors, I believe it was a couple streets down, I could be wrong about that, but it was an older couple and they had a puppy. This puppy was adorable. It was so, so cute and it was, it was a tiny puppy. They couldn't find their puppy and when they did find them, they found their puppy, what they described as skinned to death. Their puppy was skinned and it was almost unrecognizable to them. And this just happened in the same town. And this was, I believe, a few days before the murders. So, I mean, you can imagine it takes a sick individual with a twisted mind to do that. I mean, that's just disgusting. So, if there's an individual out there willing to do that, is there an individual out there willing to kill for college students so gruesome? Like, you know, so that's something I think worth noting, but the police did, the Moscow police on their Facebook did release a kind of a rumor control saying that they do not believe that that is related to this case. Okay, so that is all of the evidence that we have as of now. We personally do not have any more information from the police and they're probably withholding a lot of information sort of understandable because this is a developing case sometimes they don't want the public to know all the information that's there because the only person that knows what really happened was that killer so they I get it but I don't get it I would love to know more information as you guys probably would but right now we do not have it so my thoughts so I have a couple thoughts and some of these thoughts align with the medias and you probably think this too. Some of these thoughts maybe you disagree with, but this is just what I personally think about the information that was given out to us. So the nature of the killings. Now, they said this was so gruesome and I'm not sure if, you know, in viewer discussion advised, if you've seen that photo, there was literally blood just oozing out of the house like there's a photo of it was Ethan and Zayna's room where there's literally blood dripping down the walls and you can see it from the outside that is horrifying and if that doesn't tell you how gruesome this crime scene was like I don't know what will like that was just insane to see if you want to see it it is online it's you know you know viewer beware but it was it was released on media outlets and it's on the outside of the house so it's something that the investigators can't control unfortunately so you know I do believe that these were really gruesome and this leads people to believe that this was a targeted attack now the police say that they believe this was a targeted isolated attack and that's why they put a shelter in place only for a couple hours and then they took it off and they said nope this you're fine the community's fine just be vigilant this is an isolated attack which I find just I don't know I have mixed feelings about that and so does the public but it's hard to say if I think this was a targeted attack I do think because it was the stabbing so gruesome that maybe it was personal this person whoever did this maybe had something personal against one of the roommates or maybe all four they were in a friend group so it's not crazy to think that you know this person had a problem with all of them we're not sure but then you have the two roommates on the first floor that were unharmed 
So I have heard a rumor. I'm not sure if this is true, but I heard that the two roommates on the first floor locked their doors when they went to bed. And that could have been the simple thing that stopped the killer from coming in and stabbing them as well. We don't know that. That is not confirmed, but who knows? But one thing I can say is either that killer did not know that those, that there was two girls sleeping on the first floor or I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't even know what to say because you would definitely know that there's two people on that first floor. If this person was familiar with the layout or knew this group of friends was following them on social media, you would know that there was two other people in the house. And it was a short flight of stairs. It's not like there was a door and then you had to go down a flight of stairs. They were just open flight of stairs to get to one floor to the other. So the rooms were very accessible, but it's just so strange how they didn't hear anything, they didn't see anything, and they were left untouched. So the other thing I want to talk about, my thoughts, was there was no forced entry. Now this just makes this case even more appalling because it's not like they found broken glass. It's not like, you know, the killer came in and slashed, you know, their their screens and went through a window. Like, there was no forced entry, which makes me makes me believe that was this somebody who knew the keypad? We don't know what entrance they came in. I'm sure the police may have that information, but did somebody know that keypad code to the front door? And if they came through the front door, why didn't they, you know, check the first two rooms? I have no idea. And then the other thing which I believe they went through is the sliding glass doors. I believe somebody left a sliding glass door unlocked and they came through that way. There's other reports that there's speculation maybe the killer was already inside and was waiting for everybody to get home. That is so disturbing to think about that there was just somebody hiding, waiting for them to go to bed and waiting for them to be vulnerable to strike. But that is another rumor I've seen going around that possibly the killer was just waiting them out. So Kaylee Stalker. Kaylee reported that she had a stalker and this has been in the media. The police have disregarded this. They said this has nothing to do with the case. But I still think this is super weird. Let's talk about Kaylee for a second because Kaylee's sister spoke out and she basically said like, my sister would never leave her doors unlocked. She would know if somebody was following her home. She would know if something was wrong. And this is coming from Kaylee's sister. Apparently, Kaylee was very into true crime and she was just super vigilant of her surroundings. So the fact that, you know, her sister's kind of shutting down these rumors because she's like, my sister would never do that. She would lock her doors and she would notice if somebody was following her home. So that's like another... Thing I think people should be aware of is yeah they they said that the reported stalker was you know not a suspect in this case but then somebody who knows Kaylee extremely well is saying these things and it just makes you kind of go back and forth so that is also worth noting now the killer could have came in on the second floor and then moved their way up we don't know that i don't know if that's confirmed i don't think it is so we do not know kind of who was killed first and all of that so the next thing is why were they frantically calling kaylee's ex-boyfriend jack so this was 
this was strange and this like a lot of people are talking about this because it's multiple phone calls it's back to back it's in a small time frame and it's in the literally minutes before they were apparently murdered according to investigators so you have to kind of sit back and be like that's really strange what were they trying to tell Jack and Kaylee's family has come out and said Jack they do not believe Jack is a person of interest at all they said he's innocent that they adored each other so they pretty much cleared them to the media and I think the police also cleared him they also came out and said that he was not a suspect but it's definitely strange and you know if he has nothing to do with this I definitely feel for the guy I mean can you imagine just waking up to this news and then checking your phone and seeing that they were trying to get a hold of you like we like I bet he just is going to live every day wondering what she had to say wondering what she wanted to talk to him about that's at least how I would be feeling I mean I I can't imagine and it's really interesting I wanted to know what they were going to say to him and why they were calling so many times Another thing that has, I saw this on, I saw this on one news report, so it may not be accurate, but it's worth sharing because if this is true, this is a huge flaw in the investigation. So we know we basically followed Kaylee and Madison's track. We knew that they went to a bar and then they went to um, the food truck where they got their food and then they went home and we kind of know their steps throughout the night but Zayna and Ethan there's been reports that they left the party the Sigma Chi party they were at that evening around 9 p.m. this is not confirmed but if that is true that is a huge gap of time that we do not know about so were they already home were they somewhere else did they go somewhere else did they you know have an altercation with somebody that could have possibly followed them home so we don't know any of that and I hope the investigators are questioning everybody who was at that party he was a brother of that fraternity so it's not like they didn't know who he was you know I'm sure people saw him and talked to him before he left so I really hope they're looking at everybody in that fraternity and asking them questions to kind of get the storyline right but I just found that super interesting that there was a huge gap in time that's unaccounted for that basically we have no idea what was going on with Zena and Ethan so it's just super confusing and this case is all over the place and it's just horrible that we don't have the, the investigators may have a suspect but it seems like they don't it really seems like they don't. They're portraying that to the media. They're coming out with, I mean, every single day I check their Facebook and it's like, okay, this rumor's not true. There's no like added evidence, if you know what I mean. Like it's all like, okay, that had nothing to do with the case. Stuff I didn't even like know about. They were like, that had nothing to do with the case. But there's no information, new information, at least like that are leading to leads that are coming out. So it's just, it's frustrating, and I, it's frustrating to us, but can you imagine how frustrating it is to the families, and, and Ethan's dad actually has spoke out about this, how he is frustrated with the investigators, so, you know, I can't imagine how they're feeling, and they're not getting the information that they deserved, and it, it pains me to say this, but I hope that this doesn't become a cold case. I mean, this is already keeping me up at night. Can you imagine if they do not find this guy or this girl or 
whoever did this like I it would just be insane it would be like the cold case of the 21st century like it would just be insane so I have no idea I have no idea I really hope they find who did this to these four innocent people who were sleeping at that and you know they had no chance to defend themselves which is horrible to even think of another thing I wanted to talk about was the argument that there's no way that one person could have done this to all of them and I am gonna say that it was one person I think one person went into that house and went room to room and killed all those students just one person and I say this because they know that there is one murder weapon it wasn't multiple like the stab wounds matched with one knife it wasn't multiple knives and I do think that one person can be capable of this it's horrible to think about and this person is literally the biggest coward ever but it's you know, it's definitely doable. I mean, they were sleeping and they went into the house. If the sliding glass door was open, I mean, easy access, like it just, it just made sense. Now it's hard to say, like, I I really would like them to release what they believe the movements of the killer was within the house, whether they went to the third floor, whether they, you know, it's got to be DNA evidence. You would think that there would be DNA evidence, but that's something only the investigators know at this point in time the last thing I wanted to talk about was actually just came out a few days ago kind of has nothing to do with the investigation but I thought it was interesting and worth talking about (laughs) so the two surviving roommates one of them made the 911 call they were on the first floor okay um their names are Dylan and Bethany and I won't say their last names their last names are very easy to find out there on the internet but we'll just call them Dylan and Bethany um they there was a picture released I don't know if they posted it themselves but they had they got matching tattoos on their arms of the victims of their roommates that just died in a horrible stabbing you know a week prior now this maybe seem totally normal to people coming from somebody who's their age and you know if I experienced a loss a traumatic loss like that that's personally something I wouldn't do and I wouldn't publicize at that like people are already they've already been cleared but people are really skeptical of them and they're their actions, whether they, you know, calling their friends over the 911 call, them not hearing anything apparently. So I would tread on very light water if if I was them. And, you know, they they got these matching tattoos. So uh, it was just interesting. It was just interesting. It's worth noting. Um, I would personally not do that. And it almost comes across insensitive but that is just my personal opinion I really hope they meant you know true intent behind it and if they did then there's no problem but something I wouldn't definitely publicize right now especially when the case is not close to over it's still very hot in the media people are looking at this case every single day and there's just a lot of rumors around this case to be frank so as of November 30th 2022 that is all we have those are all my thoughts this is all we know as of now um like i said right now it seems to be rumor control 
that's it. I mean, there's no like new groundbreaking evidence. I really hope that, you know, today, later today or tomorrow, they'll come out and they'll say something that's groundbreaking, but it hasn't been happening. And this happened November 13th. We're November 30th right now. So it's just, it's heartbreaking. And I, you know, condolences to the victims, not only the victims, but their families and their friends who have to wonder what happened. That is all I have for today. I really hope I can make an update, update podcast on this case. That would be amazing if I could do that. And hopefully it's a, you know, an answer. But as of now, this is where this case lays and it's, it's cold right now. So that's all I have for today for this case. I look forward to talking about a lot of other cases across the United States, ones that we know, ones that we don't know, ones that are developing like this. I can't wait to talk about all of them and give you my thoughts. All right, guys, thank you and have a good rest of your day, a rest of your night, wherever you are. Bye.